welcome to another episode of the Red Arrow Health and Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Marco, with my lovely co-host, Jessica. How's it going, Jessica? It's going well, Marco. How are you? I'm all right. It's been a while since we've done one of these. Yep, it has. We took a week off. We did. Well, the kids were off on Christmas vacation, and you know what? It was just a good week to like have some family time right out the end of 2020. Welcome in 2021. And here we are. We're back. We've got more to discuss. Hooray! We've got a lot of episodes, actually fun episodes, lined up for we the do. first quarter of the year planned out. Yep. So no other breaks planned right now. <laughs> nope. And we've got fun stuff to talk about tonight. Oh, we do. But first, mm-hmm. what are you drinking? I am drinking a fantastic French 75. Ooh, what's in a French 75? Uh, gin and champagne, usually. Anything else? Well, these are in a little twist of lemon, but these are low-carb French 75, so they're a little bit different than how you would usually make them. But since I'm not the bartender, I'm going to let you describe how you made it. (laughs) Well, I let you juice the lemons and do all the manual labor. Yes, I'm very good at juicing lemons. Yummy! But it was a... Each of these have a half ounce of freshly squeezed lemon juice. Thank you, Jessica. You're welcome. We have a half ounce of our sugar-free simple syrup that we've talked about a lot on other episodes. Mm-hmm. One ounce of gin. Mm-hmm. And then we mix that up. If you want to be really tactical about it, you should have put it in a, we should have put it in a uh, cocktail shaker and shaken it up with ice. But we just put it in the glass and stirred it with a chopstick because that was what <laughs> We're fancy. That was nearby. <laughs> and then we topped it off with uh, champagne, mm-hmm. brute champagne. Yeah. And there we go. Oh, and of course, I... I Dig, do a little uh, a garnish of lemon peel. Mm-hmm. It's very lovely. Yes. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, clearly we didn't break out the fine crystal for this one. We did not. We could have. Could have. It's up there. It is. These are so yummy. They are. Oh, and we recently, we recently had the crystal out for New Year's Eve. The yep. kids were like banging away on them. We're like, no, no, no this is not the stuff from like pier one or whatever or <laughs> ikea this is like the real deal it was really fun to watch our um newly minted four-year-old drinking her sparkling grape juice out of the crystal she has teeny tiny hands and the glass was so big and she was like here i go with both hands glug 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 yes because we like to live dangerously we do but also we're not using it anyway so might as well use it. And if it gets broken, well, oh well. When was the last time we pulled out the crystal? Florida. Probably. Oh, no, we broke it out in Virginia. Mm, I don't know about that. Maybe not since Kid 2 was born. <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know. It's been a very long time. They liked it, though. I know. But in Florida, I mean, when we were grad students, there were times where we were like, whoa, I need something to drink. Have a beer out of. Let me, put it in the, let me put it in the crystal <laughs> that we got for our wedding. I mean, it needs to get used, right? Yeah. It's fine. It's not like it's hidden away. It's in the kitchen. It's in the cabinet above the fridge. Yeah, but it's I a mean, tall easily, cabinet. You it is get tall, on a but we have other things in tall cabinets we use all the time. We just, we have little kids. That's just life with little kids is like the crystal does not come out. I know, but it was impressive because nobody knocked their glass over. None of the glasses got broken. Everybody was fairly gentle with them. After we corrected them like one time. After we put the fear of God in them. We were like, don't break it. We can't get any more of it. It's been discontinued. We got it for our wedding. Not an anniversary. Our actual wedding. They're like, oh my God, this stuff's old. Mom and dad are ancient. We're from the 19s. Oh my God, the 19s. The 19s. 
which apparently there is no discrimination between like 1908 and 1980, whatever. The Y2K conversion. The Y2K conversion can now legally drink (laughs) so long ago. That's awful. I read this funny meme the other day and it said it was about this person who went to the grocery store and was buying some alcohol. And the, the cashier said, I need to check your ID. And the person held up their ID and he said he took one little fleeting look and said, oh, you're good. I see the one there at the very beginning of the number. Oh, yeah, that was mean. Speaking of the cashiers at the grocery store who have no clue what they're looking at. I mean, <laughs> in terms of age and trying to judge and they're like they're supposed to card up to 40 years old, which I'm like, OK, quit carding me now. But what I've noticed over the years is if I'm by myself, I'll probably get carded at the grocery store we go to the most. They're mm-hmm. they're pretty stringent about carding all the time. Yeah. By myself, I get carded. Maybe with kid one, I still get carded. If I take the whole horde of tiny Tomasis with me, <laughs> they don't card me. And I think it's just because they feel bad for they me. They feel bad for us. I also don't get carded when I have all four of them with me at the store. They're like, oh, yeah, you need this. You need this. It doesn't even matter how old you are. You just need this. Clearly. And it never fails if it's my turn to bring the beer for hockey. So I'm like getting two very large party packs. Nice. That's when I'll run into a parent from one of my teams that I coach. That's awesome. Like, oh, what you doing there, coach? Like, oh, I'm just standing in line on a Sunday night with like 85 cases. Of beer. No, not that much. Not 85 cases, but <laughs> enough. It depends on the league, too. To party. <laughs> when it's the 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 younger league, it's like, oh, I'm just standing here with 48 beers a lot of beer yeah oh my well it's 2021 so hopefully everyone's off to a great start to 2021 if you're doing dry january that pretty much went out the window this week too probably on wednesday probably this was a hell of a week it was and that's all we're gonna say about that yeah this is not a political podcast um but we are humans we are alive we do live in the united states and oh my oh my oh my oh my so if your resolutions fell apart on January 6th, if your uh, dry January fell apart on January 6th, not judging. Nope. Nope. Moving on, though. Yeah. Because we're not going to dwell. That's enough about that. You know what else happened over uh, our not only Christmas break, but our one week break from podcasting? What? We hit 10,000 uh, <gasps> downloads. Yay. That's awesome. So thank you to everybody. Thanks, guys. That was pretty cool. For a podcast that was originally like... We keep having these conversations. We keep looking for a way to like get it out there, share the information, and we finally just decided to do this versus some of the other options we've done in the past. Mm-hmm. We never really found our audience in the other venues, the other platforms we put out, so we didn't have high expectations for this to to have 10,000 downloads. And I realized there are huge podcasts out there and wildly popular ones. We weren't shooting to be the next one of those. Mm-mm. I mean, having 100 downloads at this point would have made us happy. Yes, it would have. <laughs> so to have 10,000. It's a really big deal. Yeah. To us, that's a huge deal. So thank you to everyone who's listening, who downloads. Uh, we really appreciate it. And we're going to keep putting these out. And hopefully you continue to enjoy them. Yay. What else we got going on? Um, the last time we had an episode, we were talking about your COVID scare. but you I finally, did not have COVID. You, well, yes. And we mentioned that because oh. we had, we had a, last episode we had posted right after Christmas. And so you got your good news on Christmas Eve. I did. That's right. Yes. No COVID for the Christmas. The nerdiest, Yay! most 2020 Christmas present ever were your test results. That was, yeah, it's a special time. Woo! 
are you isn't it almost time for your next monthly covid test Ooh, no that'll be towards the end of january i think this past one was like december 18th was when we did it so. well you get the vaccine this week that'd be cool <gasps> i do i get dose number one of the vaccine i'm pretty excited about it is it weird or nerdy that i'm jealous no you should be jealous i am jealous I am further back in the line. I'm sorry. I am not as critical or important. According to the state that I work in, I am an essential worker because we are classified as healthcare workers. Um, Mental healthcare? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. So we get to have vaccines and it's awesome. Well, good for you. (laughs) (laughs) That sounded (laughs) (laughs) But yes, good for me. That's right. How about I serve an essential support role to you? You do. So I should essentially go with and get one, too. Sorry, Tomasi. I'll cross the border. Across the border. (laughs) Smuggle you in. Should I smuggle across the other border and go to Canada and try to get one? Maybe. Maybe. It might be faster than waiting in Michigan. Yeah, I I don't know what's up with Michigan right now. Oh, well. The point is, is that I'm getting one. That's several episodes onto itself. And we're not. that's not tonight. That's not for us. What else have you been up to? Puzzles. Yes. Which we had mentioned in our... Home for the Holidays episode is something to keep everyone busy. We had a nice thousand-piece puzzle of Times Square. Mm-hmm. Taxis. Every, everybody worked on. We cranked that out. Oh, yes. So everybody part, did work on it, including kid number four, who worked to take it apart. So some of the pieces, some of the together. sections of it we did multiple times. And now they're still working on one that's this space thing yeah, through the years. Like Astronauts and, and satellites and the moon and rovers and all sorts of stuff going on. Oh, boy. Uh, but they've gotten busy with everything else and they had their new books and their new toys and everything and they're back to school in person. Hooray! Yes. And it's been busy and we've got hockey clinics going on and I've been helping coach and sometimes for hours at a time. How many teams are you coaching now? <laughs> you know, while well, you were there with me, we're standing in line ready to get our kids uh, photographed and we had passed the rink owner because his kid plays too and mm-hmm. like, he's like, oh, hi and everything. He goes, he must have been out in the parking lot in his car texting me, be sure you get your picture taken for the teams you coach, which I, I coach two teams, but I'm helping out with four different age groups. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's why I wore my coaching sweatshirt to photos. But uh, we're standing there and he's like, yeah. And they get specific. U8 red team, <laughs> U10, U12. And I'm like, okay, apparently I'm the coach of the U8 red team now too. Awesome. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I'm there. I'm happy to do it. Love working with kids, uh, obviously. I mean, if I'm not coaching track and cross country or hockey or whatever, I mean, happy to jump in and haul pads around and grab pucks and motivate kids and tie laces, especially at the younger ages. There's a lot of tying laces and rebuckling helmets and stopping tears, stopping tears. I mean, you know, it's the been, little kids are really funny to watch. It's gotten better, though, since he took over the program. So like when kid one started and even kid two started, they started without knowing how to skate. And yep. so you went to learn to play and the first several weeks of learn to play was learn to skate. And there's a lot of tears involved with learning to skate because it's a lot of muscles. It's hard. It is hard. And you have to work and new slippery. muscles or in different ways. Mm-hmm. But now you have to go through the learn to skate program before you can start learn to play. Mm-hmm. And so the kids are there's a lot less tears. That's good. Almost no tears. They do occasionally run into each other and then they're, it's more, it's not even like, oh, they knocked the window out of each other or, or anything. It's more of like, I fell down and I'm mad. <laughs> or I was surprised that I met the ground on my way down. You know. Yeah. They're little, they're close to the ground in the first place. 
I'm not making light of the fact that I have concussions and injuries do. Oh, they're not hurting Can't themselves happen. like that. They're no. well padded. They're just mad that they fall over. But it's playing playing in the adult leagues, and in fact, I just played tonight. Um, was that your stomach? That's a train. Oh, it's about that time. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> like stomach. we were we were out there as adults joking and like you know how we go and some of these little kids just fall down over and over again and like they keep getting back up. It's like, well, yeah. First off, they're young; they bounce. <laughs> Two, they're closer to the ground; they don't have as far to fall. That's true. Three, we're old and brittle. Also true. Yeah. Brittle bones are no joke, people. Anywho, Matt, though, <laughs> uh, lots of skating, which has helped with my workouts. Uh, still getting treadmill in you know, this this past week. The week before, I uh, was kicking off a lot of work with my new bike trainer. Yeah. So I didn't do a lot of treadmill. This week, I did both treadmill, bike trainer, and then out on the ice helping coach. So lots of workout time in. Good for you. Yeah. Well, I'm happy, and I've got a nice downward trend on my weight. Yay. Been good about sticking with my diet. Mm-hmm. So I am also doing a really good job sticking with my diet. Ooh. I've gone back to low carb, and it's been amazing, and I've lost four pounds this week. And I'm pretty jazzed about that. It's accurate to say you went back to low carb. It's just you start, stopped cheating on low carb, because we've been having plenty of low carb meals. <laughs> and then you go and like, like, tonight we had hamburgers. And for a f- several weeks or months... We would, you would also have a bunless hamburger like me, and then you go over and eat one of the kids' buns. Not, no, not the whole bun, just like parts. Just like ha- whatever's like left from them. You dip it in the, in the um, sriracha, sriracha mayo, mayo that I your like. favorite. Leave me alone. Anyways, <laughs> I've gotten more strict. I like sriracha mayo too. <laughs> gotten more strict about it and being very conscientious about what I'm eating, and it's starting to pay off. I lost four pounds this week. I'm pretty jazzed about that. And I'm pretty surprised by it because I had originally signed up to do this exercise thing with my girlfriends and we were all supposed to do it and I got on the treadmill once and I wanted to murder you the entire time I was doing it and I wasn't even looking you nope it doesn't matter I got on my bike trainer to keep you company yet was set perpendicular so I wasn't looking at you it doesn't matter and I had my headphones on you were down there it's your fault and I wanted to murder you the whole time and I have decided that for my own mental health and well-being at this point in my life with my crazy busy work schedule and my four kids that I'm wrangling as soon as I get off of work and get home this is not the best time for me to try and figure out when exactly to exercise. So I've decided to just focus on the diet because I can control that all day long. I can do that. And At some point, we got to get it in there, though, because uh, we, we also got notices in the last week of one of your triathlons that rolled over mm-hmm. is happening at this point in time. <laughs> the Kai Tri that we had an absolute blast at in 2019 and signed up for in 2020 that was postponed or pushed and our registration rolled over. They just posted a whole bunch of stuff this week. Ooh. So it's back on, which is great because our hotel reservation is good to go for it. My PTO is approved for that day, so yay. They tried to cancel it. They thought you were insane. They did. They offered to cancel for, cancel it for me. They're All like, Oh, those essential <laughs> mental health care workers looking out for you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, Jessica, you have four kids. <laughs> You must was, be nuts really trying to like funny. go do a triathlon. My um my colleague texted me and she goes, I approved your PTO for those two days. And I said, yay, that's great. Now I get to do my triathlon. And she goes, you, what do you mean triathlon? Do you want me to unapprove it? I can do that for you if you want. That way you don't have to do it. And I was like, no, it's fun. 
And she goes, no, that is not the definition. <laughs> did you explain that the swimming part's replaced with a three-mile kayak? I did explain that to her. I said, it's a three-mile kayak, row across a really pretty lake. And she goes, that does not sound like fun at that all. That lake is Lake Michigan. That is not Lake Michigan. It's it is little, Lake Michigan. Little Bay to Knock is a bay in Lake Michigan. That water is Lake Michigan. Anyways. It's a sheltered part of Lake Michigan, but it's Lake Michigan. It's very lovely. And... I tried to get her hooked in enough to do it, and she said no. So that's okay. It's not for everyone. It's a no very worries. pretty bike ride. It is beautiful, and then though. Beautiful run along walk. the water. Well, you walk, I run. Along the water, paved path, relatively flat, guardrail protecting you from the road. And when you cross the finish line, there's adult beverages. That's true. But back to me. Okay. I understand that I need to exercise and train for the triathlons that I'm doing this coming summer, but I am exhausted and things You've are been falling asleep at like 9:30 on the busy couch right now. And this is just not the best time for me to either be getting up at 4:30 in the morning to get on the treadmill, no thanks, or me to be staying up until like 9 o'clock at night on the treadmill. Again, no thanks. So well, I'll have to figure with the it way out the later. Schedule's been going this week. Uh, the kids have been going to bed at like 8:39, which is what's pushing us so late. Yeah. We get the kids back to their normal bedtimes. We might. Okay, I am getting my butt kicked at work though, like literally kicked. That's and that true. Is this adding past to week. my exhaustion, people. It's been. I have scratches all over my face. It is what it is. I can't remember. There was a few days in the past two weeks where I've gotten texts like, "Today's a show." <laughs> like, go look at kid one. Like, go get a red bo- a bottle of red wine out of the basement <laughs> off the wine rack. We'll put it in the fridge Just, for mom. You know. Or white wine or whatever. You like your chilled wines. I do. I like my wine to be nice and cold. I don't like room temperature wine. That's disgusting. Kid one's getting good at um, <laughs> picking, you know, understanding, reading labels when I tell her, like, because if I send the kid two or kid three, who knows what I'm getting? You'll get, like, a bottle of coconut rum or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've gotten a bottle of olive oil from them before, too. <laughs> so it's like, go, guys, this wine. is not even wine. This wasn't even on the wine rack. <laughs> this is on a shelf over by it. They came up with peanut oil from, like, over by the fryer one night. It's hilarious. Like, first off, this thing is way heavier than a bottle of wine, so you make it more work for yourself. Second, <laughs> I like, gave read. you the specific name I wanted, you know and I described the children. bottle. <laughs> You know, when it's time to send them down to go get a bottle of wine for us, they suddenly become illiterate. I Same know. when they need to get spices off the spice rack or something in the kitchen. Or they go temporarily blind all can you Can you go get me the oregano? It's the one with the black top and it's got a white label. And it come says back. oregano on it. Nope. Come back with the smoked paprika. I'm like, <laughs> seriously? You guys are almost done with the Harry Potter series, but you can't read the things on the spice rack. Speaking of Harry Potter series, did you hear kid number three spoil Harry Potter number seven for kid number one? I didn't hear him do it. I heard about it. And then I also heard uh, the whole story on it where because he came running in. Well, kid one was all upset that kid number three had given spoilers on book seven. Mm-hmm. And then so he comes in, he gets accused. And he's like, no, she, you know, she asked She me. wanted it. So then we had to go through it, and then he asked, hey, do you want me to tell you who dies next? And she goes, I don't care. Well, okay, that ambiguous answer left the door open. So then, of course, we had to go back on her and like, look, you set him up. Clearly, kid number three wants to discuss these books. So I pointed out to him, hey, mommy and daddy have both read all of the Harry Potter books. 
and we would be more than happy to sit and discuss them with you. But you can't keep spoiling everything for your siblings. It's not fair to them. We didn't even get into that. Like, it took a while for Daddy to get to the point to read the books or we even watch the movies having... One of my first consulting projects, everything hinged around the release of Harry Potter because I was doing it at the concession stands and a movie theater. We were increasing uh, upselling and customer service behaviors and all treatment packages that went in to intervene upon the key behaviors had to be staggered and positioned around when Harry Potter came out. And it drove me insane. And so, (laughs) I don't know, several years went by before I could finally bring myself to see one of the movies and go, oh, this isn't so bad. And you were reading the book. So I'm like, all right pick it up and start reading it. And then I got hooked into them and read them all. And that was way, what, during grad school. Yeah, it was in Florida. I mean, the movies came out in this, that first project was when I was an undergrad, but I was well into grad school before I could bring myself to look at anything Harry Potter because it was just scarred me. <laughs> it's my own version of the lightning bolt scar. <laughs> Shifting gears away from Harry Potter now. You Please. mentioned hockey. What's going on with the adult leagues? nothing we've been frozen in place uh due to uh health department orders since uh before thanksgiving so no league hockey no organized hockey that's a bummer uh we a few individuals have been through who they know or how far they're willing to travel have found ice time we haven't had uh super cold weather so some adults are even building rinks in their backyards but haven't really gotten to freeze up yet uh, I was speaking with some of the guys in the league, and they're like, well, we get, we live on a lake. I'm like, yeah, how's that working out for you? Well, we saw some guys out ice fishing on the far end. But Did they fall in? No, but they the one guy was saying, you know, I walked out on, on the ice, and as soon as I stepped on it, it started cracking. No, thanks. Nope. Nope. That's a big nope for me. Nope. Um, I, uh, I've been fortunate enough to uh, be on the ice in some places. I've gotten to play pickup games here and there. But, you know, hopefully, hopefully on January 15th, the current set of orders will expire and we won't have any new ones put in place this week preventing us so that we can get back to organized league hockey. Those who uh, have been nice enough to invite me to come play pickup games with them here and there and wherever uh, have said, this is a pain in the butt organizing just a pickup game. We don't know how you keep a league organized, but (laughs) we're more than happy to go back to normal nights where you're running the show. (laughs) I'm like, I'd be happy for that, too, because uh, I miss, you know, honestly, I miss the refs. You miss the refs? I miss the, I mean, I know all the refs. They're they're nice guys. A lot of them play in the leagues with us. Oh. Uh, I miss the normal leagues. I, I really miss the, the camaraderie hanging out around the rink. I know we won't be able to do that when we return. Yeah. But freezing our butt off in the parking lot, having a few uh, beverages from socially distanced and our tailgating chairs and stuff, I, you it's what we do. We enjoy it. Heckling each other when somebody comes out from a game. Hockey heckling is really fun. You know, the parking lot piece of it is actually a little bit better because uh, we don't have locker room access and we definitely don't have shower access. We have even in the fall when we got to use locker rooms, we were each team got two locker rooms so we could spread out more. But the showers were closed off. Big caution tape across them all closed off. Mm-hmm. So there's the hockey smell. So the fact that we are doing our post-game... Outside? Gathering outside, yes, helps with the airing things out. That's nice. Aren't familiar with hockey? And people talk about the hockey smell. And yes, rinks have... You walk in, you smell the refrigerant. 
the crispness in the air. There's that smell. And then there's also the smell of the gear you sweat in. And some people are better about taking it home and airing it out. Like we've got hooks all over our garage wall. We've got a big bench I put in. So all of us have our bags, have a place. We open up the bags. We hang up our equipment, big fan, air drying everything out, airing it out. Other people put it in their bags, seal it shut, and let it sit until the next time they play. When high school teams come into a rink, oh, God, oh my it's God. so gross. Because they those high schoolers, you know, you know, everyone knows how much a high schooler sweats. Then they throw their stuff in their bag and they seal it shut. It is so bad. I cannot even begin to impress upon you how nasty that smell is. When I was pregnant with kid number four and we'd have to go to the rink and the high schoolers were in there, I would have to turn around and go right back outside until they all exited the building because it made me want to barf. Going in a locker room after a, a uh, high school hockey team has been in there, and I've, this is not just the local rink. It's Mm-mm. rinks in South Bend, rinks in Kalamazoo, rinks wherever. We've been in lots of rinks, and most of these rinks actually have a cleaning crew go in and clean it between teams, and that was pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. But even with that, you walk in, you know a <laughs> high school team was in between you because it smells like B.O., body odor, Everybody severe body odor. I'm just making sure this. Hey, apparently we're getting picked up all around the world. Well, (laughs) it smells like that. It smells like just fermented, stinky gear. It smells like Axe body spray and apple scented shampoo. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Apparently that's what the teenage boys are into these days. Okay. (laughs) And that combined funk. (laughs) Oh, the look at one of your friends a while back. I was walking in the rink, and I don't remember if I was walking in for my game or I was walking in because one of our kids were playing, but her kid was out for learn to play, and she's not accustomed to rinks. She's not accustomed to the smells, and the high school varsity team had been practicing before learn to play, and she came in, and it that the smell. I mean, it'll knock you over. That mixture of that nasty funk <laughs> highlighted with Axe body spray and apple scented shampoo. What the hell is this stinking? Oh my god! I'm like it'll air out, but then it's they'll be like back. Twenty minutes and then it's gone. Twenty to thirty minutes, but it, that whole twenty minutes, it's bad. <laughs> I was down at Notre Dame one night, and the oh my god. the top floor is where they they have a, a O'Brien's. It's a bar up there, overlooking the main ice arena. They have a beautiful facility, beautiful rink. But we're having a meeting up in O'Brien's, and we're sitting up there, and down below they are having a high school tryout. Mm-hmm. One of the local teams had a bunch of kids out there, and the smell was hitting us. Now, this is the third floor of that building. This is a huge building. Holds, like, what, 5,000 spectators, not counting the teams yeah. and fans and staff and everything. We're way up high, and there's really not – there's the kids out there skating, so a few parents scattered in the stands, and we're up in a, you know, off a little bit, occasionally looking over the edge down there, and the smell of high school hockey equipment – Oh, dear Lord. Like, one of the guys had his eyes watering. We're like, oh, my God, this is just so horrible. <laughs> Do they hope to make the team by making the coach's eyes water so much they can't see how bad they play? Oh, my God. It's so just, that's enough. It's <laughs> <laughs> just enough. <laughs> Let's talk about something else. Let's what do that. are we talking about tonight? We are talking about behavior. Ooh. Mm-hmm. That's something we know about. It is just a l- one just or two things. A smidge, about a smidge. Behavior. We've only dedicated our entire adult lives to the study of behavior. Basically, mm-hmm. we are. We are talking about behavior tonight because 
why not? We're 45 episodes in and we speak about behavior so much mm-hmm. and it keeps coming up. And we've talked about behavior-based coaching. Uh, I've referenced behavior-based safety, behavior-based security. Uh, I've worked in organizational behavior management. You and I talk about behavior analysis and applied behavior analysis and the difference there being that behavior analysis is the overarching large level, but applied means you're out in the field, real world, real world problems, which is something we absolutely love, not just doing it in a lab where it's super controlled. Uh, Behavioral therapy, which we've both worked in you way more than me and you currently working in that area. Mm Mm-hmm performance management and self-management, something we both have worked in. I've done more than you. You know, it's kind of the flip side of that. I've done way more than you in that area, but we've both worked in that area. Mm-hmm. And community-based uh, behavioral interventions, which I did a master's You've degree a in. We've done a lot. We've, you know, we both have degrees in psychology, but our specialties in all those levels are in behavior analysis, specifically Applied behavior analysis. So behavior runs through, and that focus on behavior runs through everything. So this episode really dives into why. What's the deal? Why are we so fascinated about behavior? Why is it like a cornerstone of everything we do? What's the big focus? (laughs) Again, what's the big idea? (laughs) What's Why do you guys care about behavior so much? Because behavior is everything. Everything is behavior. Not everything is behavior, Jessica. Everything is behavior. This is getting bizarre. Okay. Okay. Some might say, I remember way back from my uh, high school history classes, we doing Machiavelli, the ends justify the means and behavior would be the means. So why do we focus so much on behavior when there's others who care? We don't care how you get there and what you do. It's the results. Why do we focus on behavior? Why do we care about behavior? What's the big deal about behavior? Why are we always talking about behavior? Why have I said behavior about 100 times in the last 30 seconds? <laughs> behavior, behavior, behavior. Behavior Why? is directly observable. It, you, it's what now? It's directly, How's that French 75 going? It's going really well. It's directly observable. You can <laughs> see what, it <laughs> happen. I can see you drink all of your French 75 right I'm now. I'm listening to you and thinking you're so presidential right now between George W. Bush and Trump. You're ready to go because you can't pronouncing anything correctly tonight. <laughs> I'm sorry. We we said we weren't going to go political and stuff. <laughs> wow, you're red right now. Hmm. 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 Yes. We like behavior. I'm like, I, you know, when we went off to college, I went off as an engineering major and you went off as, uh, what, biology because you were pre-med yeah. is really what you're going for. But at the school you were at, you couldn't actually declare pre-med until about junior year. Sure. Something like that. I mean, you still had to pick a major. And we both ended up in psychology and specifically behavioral psychology. And it really lent itself well to the way we saw the world. Because when I first switched to psychology, I was at Michigan Tech. And up there, the psychology professors were cognitive and social psychologists. So the fact that I ended up as a behavioral psychologist was just kind of coincidence. It worked out well, but it also played in well with my engineering background. The flip side of that was for relative to most of my peers when I was at Western Michigan where everybody's behavioral psychology as an undergrad level, I'd had so many cognitive and social classes when I was at Michigan Tech. Uh, they thought it was bizarre. Like when they come over to our house and I had cognitive psychology textbooks on my bookshelf. And even when we were in grad school, people when they saw our library, like, 
why do you have cognitive psychology? I'm like, and some understood because on the doctoral program where we were kind of the lone lab that was behavioral, and I had to take those other classes like social psych and whatnot. They're like, oh, it's all for this. I'm like, no, 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 this is from my undergrad days. <laughs> but behavioral psychology and going around the lab, a lot of us, I think we figured out at one point, half of us had been engineering majors originally and realized it was too far removed from the human aspect. And we probably would have made great uh, ergonomical engineers, but we were more into process, into the human operator, the human in the system. And really, when you get into it, for behavioral psychology, we realize there's a lot going on between your ears, so to speak. And you could theorize what's going on in there, but we start from the outside looking in and what can we observe, what can we measure, and then we'll work from there. We don't discredit that emotions exist. Nope. We don't discredit that all sorts of thoughts going on. Actually, thought, there's a special part of behavioral psychology dedicated to just thought. Mm-hmm. But there's so much unknown. Let's focus on what we can see, what we can measure, and then we'll work towards all that other stuff. Is that I'm trying hard not to make it super nerdy and super detailed, super technical, fine. but I want to keep it approachable for everybody, but I don't get lost in the weeds. Yeah, no, it's fine. It, these are things that people do that you can directly observe. You can measure them. You can manipulate them to see what happens and how what their actions are, are affected by what you do before and after those behaviors occur. And it works so well with in terms of what we do with this podcast, in terms of human behavior and putting together a performance plan, whether that performance plan is with exercise or diet or helping parenting or managing your kids or getting into a routine that's all behavior. That's all action. And that's things you can you can control your own behavior. Mm-hmm. Now, we're not trying to set you up for world domination and like influencing everybody around the world <laughs> and controlling people. We're not doing mind control crap or whatever. It's just about. Yeah, this is not clockwork orange, people. No. Just so we're clear. This is just focusing on your own, you know, realizing what you're doing, tracking your own actions, and then making a few adjustments to the environment around you so that you can increase or decrease your own behavior based on what you you desire. Mm-hmm. And it works. It lends itself to well. I use it in my own coaching. Actually, you know, it's interesting when you talk to people and they're like, well, I only use it at the office. You know, I only use behavior analysis when I'm at work or whatnot. And... No, those who are really into it, it's everything. We have behavior-based parenting. We look at the behaviors of our children. We use it in the office. I use it in coaching. You know, as in coaching, it works really well because everything about coaching is observable and measurable. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's a lot of work on attitude. Yes, I do a lot of that stuff too that you expect. But there's ultimately, at the end of the day, it's how, because you know, I coach track and cross country and hockey too but especially track and cross country those really lended to because it's like how fast did you go mm-hmm. how far did you jump how high did you jump how many hurdles did you hit how far did you throw so we've got these very very objective measurable outcomes of the behavior and they're easily observable and we can record them and i actually taught the kids that bring your cell phone to practice especially in track 
because I can, I'm one coach by myself with the entire team and I rotate around, but while I'm not here, if I got two kids high jumping and I'm over with the shot putters, film each other and show your partner and then switch. Same thing with the hurdles. And then I'll come over and I run apps where I run, I run apps so I can time not only how long did it take you to run, do a whole flight of hurdles, it's what's the split between each hurdle? Which hurdle do we need to work on? Well, also we'll do slow-mo video so then it's like we can break down that behavior. What do we need to work on? Do we need to work on your tuck leg? Do we need to work on your lean? Do we need to work on your arms? And cutting that down. Also with the video and the splits, it's like, okay, how many steps are you taking? Where are you landing? Alt- optimally, what do you need to be doing to increase that time between her, or sorry, decrease the time between hurdles? You really don't want to increase the <laughs> nope, time between don't hurdles. Don't increase the time between oh, hurdles. It's been a long day. It's bad. <laughs> but as we, we kind of like dig into all this stuff, Jessica. Marco. At the risk of going into the weeks, let's back up a little bit. We're talking about taking the, the behavioral approach to things. Is it worth mentioning, though? I think it is worth mentioning, actually. Uh, is the behavioral approach, the focus on behavior, a one-size-fits-all or a silver bullet solution for everything? No. Unfortunately, no. I wish. That would be amazing. That would be some serious change the world with applied behavior analysis business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when should you be focusing on behavior? If it's a behavioral problem, use a behavioral solution. If it's a biological or a medical problem, use medicine to fix it. Yeah, and I wouldn't even say a problem, just a issue or something. So if it's a chemical imbalance... Go see a doctor. Don't see, see a, a doctor, behavior analyst. The solution should be a chemical solution. Yep. Whether it's some sort of natural chemical or something synthetic that's derived, there you go. For a behavioral problem, go with a behavioral solution. Mm-hmm. A general rule of thumb right there. So, and especially in the regards to what we're doing with this podcast and health and wellness, and especially focusing on being physically active and diet, those are, you could break it down, especially on the, on the athletic side, those are performance behaviors. So behavioral solution. If you want to build more muscle by working out and lifting weights, lift more <laughs> weights and <laughs> work out more. Don't turn to a pharmaceutical solution. Don't do that. It's bad for you. Especially if you're, you know, you don't need performance enhancers. Just go perform. And I know I'm being kind of cavalier by saying that, but then there are methods and we've talked about them in the past. And we're going to talk about them more in other episodes of how to specifically intervene upon your own behavior to increase the frequency, duration, magnitude of what you're doing decreasing latency if you're trying to get you know if you're a track runner and trying to increase those start times Mm -hmm. there's all sorts you know and actually probably should get into that or at least we will in a little bit but it's not the silver bullet uh but it does work very well for a certain set of problems and those would be behavioral issues problems challenges sometimes it's not a problem it's just a challenge and challenges are fun they're puzzles Mm -hmm. i like solving challenges i like solving problems as we talk about challenges, though, because obviously we've made a life's work out of this, how do you draw that line? When should you try to do it on your own, and when do you call in the expert? Well, it's just not a simple answer. Can we make it simple for the podcast? Uh, <laughs> um, I would say 
for you, dear listeners who are not experts in behavior analysis in general, some of you might be, but in general, most of you probably are not. Um, if it is a very tiny, somewhat insignificant behavior, go ahead and intervene on it yourself. Like if you want to start exercising more often. I wouldn't you, say that's insignificant. It's not insignificant, but it is also not like going to cause harm if you intervene on it and you don't know exactly what you're doing. Right. It's, it's not life or death. Right. Now, if you have a bigger behavioral problem, like let's say your child is engaging in a high rate of headbanging behavior, that's when you want to call in an expert because if or you, you're engaging in a high rate of headbanging. Right. If you are banging your own head, you want to call in an expert because that is a very serious behavior. The consequences of it can be huge. Like you can give yourself brain damage huge. Um, or you're a cutter, or mm-hmm. you've got substance abuse issues, or you've got a legit eating disorder that's getting right. All of those critical. super serious behaviors are when you want to call in an expert. Also, if even if what, I mean, that's insignificant, but it's also late and we're having some nice French 75s, <laughs> smaller scale, less significant, but important. Uh, if you're just not having success on your own, Go see an expert. They're there to help you out. It's okay to ask for help. It's great to ask for help. And I'm not just saying that because that's people in our field who our (laughs) colleagues would appreciate the work. But I mean, we ask each other for help all the time. That's why they're there for. Mm -hmm. Yep. They're here to help you solve your problems. Your behavioral problems. So. Yes. How'd you get into behavior? How did I get into behavior? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, back in the day, I was born. And started. <laughs> if you want to be super nerdy, the definition we learned back in school was that behavior is any muscular, glandular, or electrical activity. Congrats. Yeah. You are a super nerd so, who remembers his definitions. By being, by being alive, I've got into behavior. Jesus. No, okay. That Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, I stumbled into it by accident. And like, you know, I think I've mentioned it in a couple other episodes, but... So I went off to school as an engineering major and actually backing up to high school where we had to do the vocational tests and everything, trying to figure out what you should go study. Most kids were getting like a half page or a quarter page of just job names. And then you went and you looked them up. I got five pages and it wasn't five pages of descriptions. It was five pages of just job titles. And this was coming off of a computer printer that had the little holes on the side. That's funny. Yeah. And it's just spilling out. It's like, and I had everything from nuclear engineer to priest and count, guidance counselor. And it's like, priest. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> what the hell? Everything, everything that's technical. And I'll let me go sit in a room by myself and look at data to let me work with people and give them advice and guide them was on mine. Like, what the hell? So, but I want, I came from a family of engineers. My dad was an engineer. I have lots of uncles and cousins and whatnot as engineers. So I'm like, I'm going to be an engineer. What I really wanted to do was study oceanography at that point. That's funny. That's what my little job placement thingy told me I wanted to do. Or I wanted to be a marine engineer who designs ports and um, pretty much where the land and the water meet and you need something installed. I wanted to do it. I wanted to do underwater construction or manage underwater construction and designs uh, near the shore. And I thought it'd be awesome. I thought it'd be awesome to build underwater hotels and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, there wasn't, uh, I was looking at the schools for it. There weren't that many around. And I was looking at oceanography and it's like, I'll be living on grant money my entire life. Woohoo. Woo-hoo. 
So the next closest thing was civil engineering. So I went into civil engineering and uh, that was kind of cool. Like my summer job and whatnot, uh, working for the road commission and doing land surveying and being a field engineer and construction inspection. I was like, all right, but uh, I like managing the projects. I like managing the the safety aspects of it. But I looked at my boss who just sat in an office all day and got screamed at by the public. And he didn't even do the design work. That was farmed out to the engineering techs. Mm-hmm. Once a month, he'd like come out and see how we're you drive through a project. But I was at that point doing what I, the part of the job I thought I would love if I had his job. And I'm like, God, that's miserable. In fact, he hated it so much. He went back to school, became a nurse. I just found out he's getting ready to retire from his second career as a nurse. Awesome. Yeah. Good for him. Good for him. Anyway, I was off. I was kind of at a crisis and a crossroads. I'm like, this is like taking engineering materials, whatever, studying rocks. Another engineering materials class, studying dirt and soils and uh, or watching concrete dry. And it was like, this is miserable. I really like managing things, but I like data. And so I took a, you know, I was trying to figure out to me, do I want to be a land surveyor? I took a psychology course. I loved it. I kept taking on more and more psychology courses. And I took all the courses they had up at Michigan Tech. And at that point, they didn't have a major. And I'm like, well, crap, I'm going to have to graduate. <laughs> so I transferred down to Western <laughs> Michigan, which is all behavioral. It's like a whole buttload of <laughs> classes down there, more than I needed. And um, it, it was just, it clicked. It fit. Uh, it was the objective observable measurable part so then there's data to analyze and it's not like well in my expert opinion someone's improving it's like no idiot look at the look at the board look at the data you don't agree with me look at the numbers look at the chart look at everything or go look at the actual people that are performing they're performing but it's not just well we sit here and argue in my expert opinion they're they've improved slightly it's like no they've improved a ton and you can see it right here so I went off to grad school and, and yeah, that's how I got into behavior and behavior, the study behavior and working in the area of behavior. And it's been a fascinating career since then. Awesome. So why don't you tell me about how you got into behavior and while you do that, pardon the background noise, but I'm going to pour myself another French 75. Oh, neat. You can just go ahead. And why don't you just down that? So there's some room in the glass for me to work with. And uh, there you go. Yeah. Don't lose your headphones while you're chugging it. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Okie dokie. Woo! All right. I'll work on these. <clears throat> you tell me about um, how you got into yep. behavior. So, like, as pretty much as long as I can remember, I wanted to be a doctor, specifically some sort of pediatrician. Because I've always really liked little kids. I think they're hilarious. And I really love the idea of doing something where I could help little kids. Um, so I was like, yes, medicine, pediatrics, this is going to be amazing. I'm going to do it. And I love biology. I think it's fascinating. Anatomy was one of my favorite classes. I like to know how the human body works. I like to know everything that can go wrong with the human body. It's amazing. You know what wasn't one of your favorite classes? What? Chemistry. No, I'm not there yet. Don't get ahead of the story. (laughs) So like I'm at Western, I'm taking all these biology classes. They're going fairly well. And then it's time to take chemistry. And this is like basic chemistry 100. So I show up to class. I got my little books, got my pencils. Everything is great. I was like, yep, going to do chemistry. It's going to be amazing. And I got into class. And I swear to God, it's like a brick wall went up in my brain. 
and then that brick wall was covered by a steel plate. Nothing got through. Not one single thing. So I was very distraught. And because I was like, I have to be able to pass chemistry. I need to pass chemistry 100 so I can go and take organic chemistry after this because I need those two to graduate with a degree in biology. Um, so I remember that I came home for Thanksgiving break and I came over to your house and your brother was there with his girlfriend and your sister was there with her super genius two-year-old son. I'm not exaggerating. He is a legit genius. Was it Dean? What grade? He was two. He was two? I remember very well because I will tell you why. <laughs> so your brother's girlfriend was there and I said, can you please? Wait, She's my brother's girlfriend, who's now his wife, yes. but at that time it was girlfriend, is a chemist. She is a chemist. Okay. And so I was like, please, I need you to teach me how to balance equations. I don't understand how to do it. And she was like, oh yeah, sure. No problem. I can teach you to balance equations. These are super fun. And so we sat there for hours. Me, Marco, his brother, his brother's girlfriend, and the two-year-old super genius doing equation after equation and me going, no, I don't get it. No, 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 no. And finally, um, his girlfriend said, okay, last one for the night. You can do this. This one's really easy. Ready? Here we go. Here it is. And she like wrote it down on the paper and she gave it to me and she read it to me and she goes, okay, solve it. And I sat there and I stared at it for a few minutes and I was just like, nope, I have no idea what this is. I don't know how to do it. And the two-year-old turned and looked at me and he put his chubby little hand on my leg and he said, oh, but Jessica. It was chubby. It was pudgy. Whatever. He said, oh, but Jessica, the answer is no, no. blah, blah, blah. And Jessica. Oh, no. No. You weren't in Jessica. You were just We were Jessica. not married yet. That's right. The answer is blah, blah, blah. And I looked at this adorable little two-year-old redhead and then I looked up at the other adults in the room and the boys were like hiding their faces because they were trying really hard to show, to not show that they were laughing. And your brother's girlfriend had her head like down in her well, arms hiding. First off, my, at that point, my brother and I were both engineering students. And I poked her and I said, is he, is he right? Is the two year old right? Did he just solve this? And she just very, very like quietly nodded. Yes. And then that was the end of chemistry. I slammed the book shut and I said, that's enough. We're done. I don't ever want to do this with you people again. And, um, but so it after... wasn't the only time because there's other times <laughs> that my nephew was helping with your stoichiometry homework. No, that's the one I remember. What are you talking about? There, there was another one. Oh, I've blocked them. It was a very traumatic experience having a two year old solve your college chemistry homework. It's embarrassing. Um, word, but anyways, like I had a crisis at that point, because I was like, oh, my God, I can't do this. You need to be able to, like, understand chemistry if you're going to be a doctor and be prescribing things to people. It's kind of a big deal. So just a little bit. I was like, just make your handwriting sloppier so no one knows what's going on. There we go. Just scribble, scribble. Oh, the pharmacist messed up. Um, no, that's bad. Don't do that. <laughs> um, so like, I'm hoping that no physicians are actually taking our advice on how to... Oh, I sucked at chemistry. Hey, these people are brilliant. Let's do what they're saying. No. Well, you know what? I had a doctor actually tell me, oh, you don't really have to know that much chemistry. And I was like, I'm pretty sure you're a liar right to now. To be fair, when I was working, doing drafting work in high school, uh, I was working at a, a we'll say, a major global manufacturer in an engineering department doing drafting. And uh, in walks this one engineer who was farming stuff out. And he's farming out some calculus work to me. 
He's like, well, you're pretty good. I keep on doing it. And it's like, then he'd sit there because he couldn't do these problems, which is why he was farming out to me. And then he'd whine about one of the senior level engineer managers that he just couldn't stand. Little did he know, one, the guy he was bitching about was my dad. <laughs> Two, he didn't know that I was, he, I was a high school student who was in calculus at the time. And three, he would leave the room and we'd just make me and my coworkers would just make fun of him the rest of the day and my boss. That's funny. Yeah. So I was at like a crisis point and I went to see my academic academic advisor and I was like, okay, clearly being a doctor is not in the cards for me. Same with majoring in biology because no way am I going to pass organic chemistry. At this rate, I can barely pass chemistry 100. And so the advisor sat down and looked at everything that I had been taking this whole time. And he said, well... You have quite a bit of psychology, you have a lot of English, and you have a lot of Spanish. And I said, okay, so those are my options. And he said, yeah. And Spanish probably wouldn't have been bad for you because, I mean, you tested into... 400s. 400-level Spanish right off the bat coming Mm -hmm. out of high school. You had spent time in Spain. Mm -hmm. You had an outstanding high school Spanish teacher who set you up for success. Yep, she did. She was fantastic. You were very helpful to me when I was managing construction projects, and I had the... Uh, there's one subcontractor in particular who came in with a uh, a team and they would all claim not to speak English. And I knew they like, I mean, <laughs> I could tell by body language, <laughs> facial expressions. They knew what I was saying, but they kept playing this card. And then I, of course, took high school French, which was so helpful on a construction site. Not. So you would come visit me. My Here comes my blonde little girlfriend visiting me for lunch. I'm like, Jessica, what are they saying? <laughs> oh they're bitching about you like oh <laughs> they think you're like so stupid because you don't speak spanish and they've been making fun of you for two weeks yeah they stopped after i showed up <laughs> yeah well that also um, helped was that uh one of the laborers who was just a complete pain in my butt one of the days the uh the foreman was sick and so he was the acting foreman and suddenly he had to interact with me all day and suddenly oh he speaks english amazing amazing no so i i decided like becoming a translator probably just didn't sound like fun so i dropped spanish um and being an english major i was like what kind of job can i get as an english major no english tutor yeah that's not (laughs) for college students it's probably not the best option so i want to write the great american novel yeah no so i went with psychology because i had been taking these classes all along i thought they were fascinating especially clinical psych. Um, and so I jumped into it. And at first, when I first got into it, I was like, yeah, I'll go. I'll get my PhD. I'm going to be a clinical psychologist and I'll work with kids. Like it's always been kids. Um, but at Western, everything is taught from a behavioral aspect, even the clinical classes. It's from a behavioral standpoint. And um, at one point you have to take research methods and you also have to take Rat Lab. And both of the, I thought both of those classes were extremely fascinating, especially Rat Lab. Clearly, because we've spoken about Rat Lab mm-hmm. on a few episodes. I loved it. I was completely like fascinated by my little rat and all the things I could make him do just by um, reinforcing his little tiny rat behaviors with droplets of water. That was amazing. Um, so I decided, okay, well, let me learn a little bit more about behavior analysis. And I did. And then it was time to take a practicum, and I looked at the list of approved practica, and I said, well, I don't really like any of these. 
But this one right here is going to pay me to show up. And I like that idea. Also, it's with kids. So I'm going to do that. And it was the um, it was the autism practicum. And I, I did that. And the first two weeks of it literally kicked my ass. I was not prepared for it the way that I was taught to work with kids with autism. I don't know if this is still how they do it, but it's basically throw you to the wolves and you'll learn as you go, which I personally, that's not how I train people to work with with kids, but whatever. Um, after those first two weeks, though, things got a You've lot. you a fair amount of experiences from other sources, too, that have influenced the way you train people. Yeah. To be fair. But after those first two weeks, things got a lot better. And I fell completely in love with those little kiddos. And I was like, yep, this is it. This is what I'm doing. I'm going to sit in the booth and I'm going to work with kids with autism forever. And yeah, I would have been completely content doing that. Except for the whole no money thing. <laughs> like money is kind of important because I like to eat food. So I mean, it's not the overarching thing, but as long as you get enough to live, be comfortable with. Okay, but that was not going to happen just sitting in the booth. No. No. So also at the same time, I got involved in, I, I wound up taking three practica at Western. You're only required to take one, and I took three. Um, what a nerd. Taking more <laughs> classes than you're required? Such a nerd. Uh, Who takes more classes than they're expected to take? You do. Yeah. And I took a couple. every single class I could get into while I was at Western. And I TA'd. And I did a couple. T for, hey, for the non-nerdy people, what is a TA? A teaching assistant. There you go. And I took, I got involved in as much research as I possibly could. I think I worked in one professor's lab for about two years straight. To be on, clear, you got in as a research assistant, not as a research subject. No, weirdo. nobody was testing on me. So that was good. I was assisting them test on other people. And that was also good. But yeah, so like I got into all of that. And finally, like one of my professors sat me down and was like, you need to go to grad school. And I was like, no, I'm going to sit in the booth. And they said, you need to go to grad school. You need to get at least a master's degree so that you can be the one in charge, running the show, teaching other people how to do this, um, and changing the behavior of all these little kids that you love working with and that you're, you're pretty good at doing that. So go to grad school. So it, you know, that was a big decision. It took a while for me to come to terms with that. But I went and I had a blast and I got my master's degree and now I work with little kids. And it's amazing. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah. yeah. And when you're done working with little kids at I come work. come home and I work with my own little kids. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> little kids forever. It's great. I'm not being sarcastic. It really is great. <laughs> it is great. <laughs> Until you get to like, what, nights like tonight though, where you're like, we're looking around the table and it's like. Could you just eat your dinner? Could you please just eat the hamburgers? You, you don't have to do anything else. Just eat. Eat the food. I don't like dinner. <laughs> well, you scarfed it all down, and we're asking for more last week when we had them. <laughs> oh, I don't like the seasoning you used tonight. You mean Italian seasoning with oregano and basil and garlic? <laughs> we put it on the pork chops last night, and tonight it's yucky. Tonight it's yucky because it's seasoning the hamburger. Oh, I like the other season. Like the spicy barbecue mix I make by hand. Usually you whine that it's too spicy. Now it's like, put that back on. Look, just because we're behavior analysts, just because we're in we're psychologists, just because we study behavior, we're parents. And kids will be kids. And we have the same kind of problems everybody else has. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there you go. 
that's how we got into the field. Hooray! Hooray! I think when we're talking about behavior, since that's what this whole episode's about, uh, let's hit on the kind of the key points of behavior. What are the dynamics? <laughs> How's that French 75 it's in your jazz? really good. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I'm watching you turn red and just get goofy across from me. I wish we had a camera on no, right now. No, that'd be bad. We don't. So Probably people who listen to this are like, what the hell is wrong with these two? French 75, apparently. French 75. French 75. So what's wrong with us tonight? Oh, on the topic of cocktails real quick on a you know a tangent. Mm-hmm. What did you use to toast in the new year? Even though, by the way, we are old and boring. <laughs> did you stay up to midnight to go, hooray, 2020 is gone. 2021 is here. No. No, I didn't either. Honest we- to God, I don't even remember New Year's Eve. That's I know we that to- I fell asleep at some point. <laughs> we went to bed at 10 o'clock. Did we have? No, we had French 75s on Christmas. We had French 75s on Christmas. I, I went- didn't even take a single picture on New Year's Eve. I have nothing. We I played some games with the kids. Yeah, we, we all did. We played categories, and then everybody was tired. Like, let's just go to bed. Uh, kid one, I was willing to actually say, you can stay up and watch TV. We're going to bed. But she was melting down because she was exhausted. <laughs> yeah. I just looked at her at one point and like, because she was crying during categories over something stupid. Like <laughs> somebody had chosen her word too. And like, you are, this had gone on like, like all the, afternoon and evening. To, to be fair, it had snowed on Christmas Day and we had a significant amount of snow and they went outside to play in the snow every single day up until New Year's. And they had been up late and up early and we had packed their schedule with all sorts of fun stuff and there was so much fun, 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 fun. And they were exhausted. But I looked at them like, you are a hot mess. Go to bed. You That's just it. need to go to bed. Go to bed. You're crying over nonsense. <laughs> um Come on, in the big scheme of things, that your brother has thought of the same word for categories is not worth a tearful meltdown bedtime. And so they went to bed, we went to bed, but you and I did toast in the new year, uh, the more of toasting out 2020. See ya. Uh, I went with what is uh, reportedly, supposedly, maybe the... Uh, the big New Year's Eve drink in New Orleans and Louisiana, uh, a Sazerac. Okay, that sounds like you. Yeah. What did I have? Hell, I know. I don't even have any pictures because no one took any. I blame you. And then I fell asleep because I'm old and we weren't with Oh, you probably had an old-fashioned. That sounds right. Yeah. It sounds like me. I'm sure whiskey was involved that night. Probably. Probably. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway, back to behavior. Behavior. Yes. Behavior of drinking. So we keep talking about <laughs> the what's great about behavior, and especially when it comes to performance and changing your your actions. What are the different uh, dynamics that come with behavior that are so appealing to trying to do this? You can measure it. You can measure how, it. How can you measure it? In a variety of ways. How? Well, we've got frequency or rate of behavior. So I can sit and I can count how many times you wave your arms around when you're telling a story in a specific amount of time. Or I can count how many times kid number three calls kid number one a butt face. 
in a specific amount of time. You it can. is surprisingly high, just so you keep people it know. In, keep it into the health and fitness <laughs> stuff and trying to stay away from like <laughs> your butt face over there. Um, yeah, you can do uh, so. In, in coaching, though, I can look at how many state, how many steps between hurdles. Mm-hmm. I can look at how many time your times your foot goes down per minute, per second, per five second window, per fifteen seconds. You can also look at duration. How long does it take you to do something from the start to the end of something? And whether it's uh, increasing or decreasing that duration, depending on what kind of behavior. But that's something I can measure and then I can intervene upon to change yeah. my own behavior. A lot of our, a lot of my clients will take duration data to find out how long their temper tantrums last or how long their crying behavior lasts or you know, whatever the behavior is, we want to know how long it is occurring so that we can work on decreasing that amount of time. Or an exercise and like with the train, the bike trainer in, and it's been a few months since I've been on my bike. Um, those who are into biking, especially like bikes like mine, which are the touring bikes with the little seats, even when you, we wear our little spandex padded shorts. And if you're not into biking, that's why we wear those crazy little Lance Armstrong bike shorts is because <laughs> The pad is not in the seat. The pad is in the shorts. Yeah. Even though it looks like or it feels like we're wearing an adult diaper while we're out there. Yeah. Yeah. You still have to build up and uh, condition your your butt to sit on that thing. Otherwise, it's sore. So I'm easing into that. Kind of like if you start, if you decide to start a running program or a walking program or you're doing a couch to 5K, you have to ease into it for your legs. Otherwise, if you do. And your feet. Your feet. But if you do. Too much, too soon, too fast. Well, one, that's the easiest way to end up with shin splints. Also, it sucks, so you won't do it again. Yeah, that too. You're more likely to quit if it hurts. Mm -hmm. Um, And actually, this past week, it has felt like I have shin splints, even though I know I don't on one of my legs, because I've had shin splints before, and I I don't have those going on. But uh, I was coaching uh, Learn to Play, and one of the kids swung around, holding hand on a stick, and came. That stick came flying and caught me right on the shin, and I was not wearing shin pads. Mm-hmm. I have this bruise on my shin. It is impressive. It's turning a nice green. It's six inches in <laughs> diameter, right on the bone. You won't let me poke it. No. And when actually I came home that night and I had pulled up the, uh, I unzipped the the ankle part of my pants and just pulled it up to the knee. And it was puffy. Yes, it was. (laughs) It looked like a water balloon was underneath the skin. Mm -hmm. And that's gone down. Now it's nice shaded green. But six inches in diameter where the kid had whacked me. So it feels like when I'm on the treadmill, I've got um, (laughs) got shin splints. But anyway, uh, duration. So if you set your treadmill at a certain speed, whatever that speed is, your duration will be from the time you started to the time you stopped. And trying to gradually increase that duration or... In the case of my bike that I was speaking about, gradually increasing the duration, the time from the start of the bike ride to the end that I'm on there, not trying to go, I'm going to get on this thing and I'm going to do, I haven't been on here in months, I'm going to get on here and do two hours or two and a half hours, yet your butt will be... That sounds awful. Yeah, you won't be able to sit right for weeks and you won't get back on. But starting out, I started off with 20 minutes. And I've been gradually increasing it, and it's only been a few weeks, and I'm still only doing 30, depending on the day, 30 to 40 minutes of uh, biking when I get on. And I don't get on every day. 
that can get back to frequency, right? How frequently do I get on the bike? Mm-hmm. Then looking at the duration, how long do I go for on the bike? And what else can we do with uh, behavior? We can look at latency. Ooh, and latency and is? Latency is a fancy word. And it is the amount of time from when something starts to the actual beginning of a specific behavior. Uh, so a good like coaching example, I think, would be from the time when the start gun goes off to when your runner actually starts moving. That's that, a perfect one. Yeah, that amount and of I'm time. I'm impressed by you because, one, this is not your area because you've helped me coach a few this times. Is my favorite example of latency because it's actually kind of complicated <laughs> to but explain, you, but that just sums it up so nicely. Every time I've brought you out to help me coach track or cross country, yeah. your primary role has been to, one, deal with the whiners. <laughs> don't like the whiners or it's like it's hard my 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 shoe hurts then take <laughs> it off you know stuff like that or it's just hurting the cats you're fantastic at that or thanks i feel hungry then eat something you know you're that you've got that sage advice like that for them yeah. which is actually what i need because it keep, lets me focus on the more technical parts of the sports that whether it's track or cross country um and I've been lucky that you haven't divorced me yet because there's been how many different birthdays you had to come help me coach. Either I was coaching on your birthday or not only was I coaching, but I needed help and you had to come help me coach. I don't know if you guys know this, but track meets take like 800 hours to Especially complete. the one that usually falls on your birthday. Yeah, that one specifically is a long one. Thank you, Goebbels, Michigan. Goebbels. Goebbels. That's where the frogs are. Yeah, that was that track meet though. It came pouring <laughs> down rain and then the, the frogs frog appeared. showed up. I, the, the there image, was a frog delay. <laughs> the image of the kid uh, picking frog guts out of his spikes That's at a track disgusting. meet. Yeah, I know. Stop it. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, latency is the time between a stimulus that signals to go and then actually engaging the behavior. Yeah. And then you got magnitude, and that's how hard, how forceful, how big. So if you're in weightlifting, that's how many weights you're putting on there. Uh, frequency or rate would be how many times you lift the bar or how many times you lift the bar in a certain amount of time. Duration is how long can I hold these? Like if you're doing the iron cross where you take a dumbbell in each arm and put our arms out in a T and hold it, that would be duration. Mm-hmm. Latency would be from when your partner says go to when you start actually exercising. That one's not so applicable to, to, weightlifting. to weightlifting, but still. You and magnitude would be how much of weight that I put on this. Yeah. So those, I mean, there's others, but these are the big ones, the key ones, and why and things you you can do when you're focusing on behavior that are really advantageous for exercise. And you can do similar things to diet, but these help. I mean, I mean, I think the key thing here is data. It generates data and people go data, but like it creates a dashboard, it keeps a way of keeping track, it keeps order to things. And it makes it easier because now it's like, well, I think or I feel it's I know because I I can see it it right here, either on this graph or in this app with all these numbers. Behavior is it's observable. It's measurable, which we've just talked about the measures. It follows, you know, honestly, when you want to intervene upon it, it follows particular laws. Believe it or not, Uh, we're not going to go too heavy into that tonight. Mm -mm. And the best part is a behavior is ultimately objective because it because it is observable because you can see it two people can look at it and know what they're looking at yeah if you have a really good operational definition you need to have like but you do need to have a really good one so that 
a wide variety of people can come in and they can see the exact same thing and know, yes, what I am seeing is an example of whatever the behavior of interest is. I mean, if you look at sports, we have rule books and definitions. And um, in cases where things aren't totally objective, is a, in football, is a catch a catch? Was that a catch or not? Well, they have the replay expert and they have the people in New York and they have the referees looking at it and they might have two different guys disagree whether it was a catch. <laughs> well, there is a definition of a catch. And did that match it? It's observable. It should be objective. If you've written a good definition, NFL, you is could... Is it a good definition? The NFL's definition? Hell no, it's not. But do you know it? Off the top of my head, no, because... But you've read it before? Yeah. Okay. They need to improve their definition. But if you have a good definition, it's fine. Like, what is a false start in track? Mm-hmm. A good operational definition is objective and easily recognizable by two or more people that yes or no. You get specific with your definitions. Yes. Details are important. So like I have. Run, you know, what is a walk? What is a run? Mm-hmm. Um, with, with my job, I have to operationally define very specific behaviors. And my favorite one right now is this, um, this interesting tooth grabbing thing. And so I had to like explain how the kid hooks his fingers on his teeth and then pulls. And it's really like, it is super specific. It's one of the longest definitions I've ever written. And the therapists all see it and they're like, Jessica, this is really why. And I said, yes, but if you picture this behavior in your mind, the way that I have written it, can you see it? And they're like, oh yeah, I can definitely picture this. And I said, great. When you're with my kid and they do it, you'll be able to know. And then you can take data on it for me. Wonderful story. Very applicable. But I have to ask, this client, whether he or she, uh, are they a future dentist? Are they like the little elf in the Rudolph movie from like, what was that, the 60s? <laughs> well, they're definitely as cute as the elf. Aw. How about that? How about as tall as the elf? Yeah, same. Probably. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> kid. I work with little kids. They're all short. You know, maybe a future hockey player because the adult league is packed. At least the adult leagues I've played with, you know, here and down in Indiana and everything, packed with dentists. Also, and orthopedic surgeons, I uh, guess they're drumming like, up business. Really weird. Um, no, it's not. Uh, the dent, yeah, actually, the orthopedics and the in the dentist, I find that to be very weird that they'd be playing hockey. But whatever. Um, my favorite day that I watched you play hockey was the day that guy got hit in the mouth right in front of me, and he like spit, and his tooth came flying out, and it was amazing. And there was blood everywhere. It was the greatest thing I've ever seen in person. That individual, <laughs> respecting his privacy at the same time, is not a dentist or orthopedic surgeon. <laughs> he actually works for a major IT company. Awesome. Yes. Well, it was one of the most fantastic things I've ever seen at the hockey rink. <laughs> oh my God. See, biology nerd. Hey, mm-hmm. what else do we want to talk about behavior? And like, look, we could go on for days and days and days and hours and hours and hours and we can make this super technical and those who are actually in the field, we could go do stuff that, you know, would make your head spin and make you so excited. Um, if you're not already excited by this, but I think we've got enough for an episode, and honestly, we've got, uh, we'll do more on this, but I wanted to do a high-level behavior, and why do we talk about behavior all the time? And I think we've kind of hit why we think behavior is great, and why it's such a cornerstone of what we do, and why you're going to hear about behavior, behavior, behavior in the future, whether we're talking about 
the behavior of parenting or coaching or running or rowing or paddling or biking or uh, making cocktails and yes, the behavior meal planning. Of making cocktails. There we go. <laughs> meal planning. Uh, there's going to be some behavior going on. Um, do you, anything else you want to add to this? Yeah, I would just like to ask this one question. What's that? Does the behavioral point of view make us cold oh or heartless? This one came up a lot, even when I was teaching and when I was and consulting and we're in the schools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you're just... Oh, you care about his behavior. You don't think care about little it. robots. Emotions and feelings because you can't see them. Well, first off, those emotions and feelings are very real and they cause observable, measurable reactions yep. out there. Whether it be smiling or tears or frowning or temper tantrums, emotions are real. They're there. They're, they actually are a form of behavior. Attitudes manifest themselves in behavior. Body language. Body language. They're very important. However, uh, at the especially when you're first getting into behavior and behavior analysis, the key is to focus on, the, I mean, we admit, as behavioral psychologists, there's more going on. Humans are super complex. There's more going on than we can see. Mm-hmm. But let's start with, there's so much unknown. Let's start with the part of the mystery that can be seen, measured, intervened upon, and then we'll work inward. Um, and we'll get there. And so, yes, they are super important. And yes, we acknowledge them. And yes, all those behaviors that are linked to emotion whether it be smiling, laughing, crying, throwing chairs and desks across the room. <laughs> we acknowledge those, we measure those, and then we try to increase or decrease them depending on what they are and how appropriate they are for the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Although we work with people, and honestly, if we were heartless, we would not be working with people. We would be working with chickens. Oh, my God. You Even then... But chickens of, are actually no awesome. offense to those who work so with chickens. Like one of my former students has done a lot of work with, with chickens. I know, and it's I, I'm I'm actually and I don't super, mean like fricassee. Super jealous that she got to go to chicken breading and frying. She like actually was. She went to chicken lab, and it was in Italy, and I'm just ridiculously insanely jealous of that. Yeah. Maybe they work with rats. Then I don't know. We, cockroaches. That's the one. If we, you're a heartless behavior analyst, you work with cockroaches. We do care that people, how they feel when I'm coaching. I do want them having fun. Not everything is fun. Not every time I make you sprint up a hill is going to be enjoyable, but hopefully at the end of the season, the overall experience was worth it. And some of those training exercises that are miserable, um, helped you perform better in competition and got you to the goals you wanted to be at. Also, Behavioral interventions have to be socially valid. They have to be something that is accepted by society as a whole. And if you're... Well, and the person who is getting that intervention mm-hmm. and the person who's implementing it, usually if you have an expert implementing, so basically if you have the behavior analyst, the client, but mm-hmm. also society as a whole has to... Wow, it's another That's train. another train. That's weird. Yeah. Anyway, so yes, that would be social validity. We're getting too nerdy fast. Too nerdy, okay. Well, Jess, we got a few other things to cover yet tonight, but real quick with your, uh, what you got left of your current French 75. (laughs) Cheers. Cheers. We'll touch back on more of this behavior stuff in the future.
Before we go, we have a lot to get caught up on with our Red Arrow Challenge. Our Red Arrow Challenge is our multi-sport virtual challenge. Beyond the usual swim bike run of just a triathlon, we've got all sorts of exercises you can put in here. And this ties in well to behavior because it's observable, it's measurable, and we definitely are measuring it. And every week we give kudos to the champions in each age group for each category. And because we took a week off, it doesn't mean the competition ended. So we're going to do a double round of this. The first set of champions we have are from the week of Christmas, actually, the week of December 21st through 27th. We have a set of champions who need their kudos. Good job, guys, because working on a holiday week is really hard. Yeah. So way to get it done. Swimming. (laughs) It's winter. Not a lot of swimming going on, but 20 to 29, Gator Boy. 40 to 49, Jesse's Girl. And 60 to 69, Kilogram Hill. Running. Nine and under, Yellow Ninja, 10 to 19, Lucky Dude, 20 to 29, Lexi, 30 to 39, The Logan, 40 to 49, Sarah, 9 to 6, 50 to 59, Johnny B. Good, no one older than that. And for our featured members, which are you and me, me. Hmm. Walking. Nine and under, Easy E, 10 to 19, Soleil, 20 to 29, Smythe of, 30 to 39, Wildcat, 40 to 49, Vino Mia. 50 to 59, Mary Mary, 60 to 69, Kilogram Ill, and for our featured members, me. Biking on road. 20 to 29, H. Kaner, 305, 30 to 39, Cyclopath, 40 to 49, Cyclone, 50 to 59, nobody. 60 to 69, Kilogram Ill. Biking off road. 30 to 39, Dirt Devil, 40 to 49, Cyclone, and nobody else. Sit down paddling. 20 to 29, HKNR 305, 30 to 39, Rando 7, 40 to 49, nobody, 50 to 59, AR Miller. Stand up pedaling. 20 to 29, Gator Boy, 30 to 39, Me West, 40 to 49, Coffee Dude, 50 to 59, Mary Mary, 60 to 69, Sunny D. Cross country skiing. Starting to see an uptick in this now that it's winter. It's snowing in Texas right now. Oh my God. 20 to 29, Husky Mike, 30 to 39, Alberto, 40 to 49, El Tiburon, 95, 50 to 59, Big Juan, 64, 60 to 69, Pac Mac. That's fun. Skating. 30 to 39, SB Tom and SB Nikki Tide, 40 to 49, Great Juan. Hockey. Nine and under, Yellow Ninja. 10 to 19, Soleil, 20 to 29, Lexi, 30 to 39, Moose Man, 40 to 49, Great Juan, 50 to 59, Herb, no one older than that, and our featured members, me. Shocking. I don't know. Points. The composite points, putting it all together, 9 and under, Yellow Ninja, 10 to 19, Soleil, 20 to 29, Lexi, 30 to 39, Wildcat, 40 to 49, Great Juan, 50 to 59, Mary Mary, 60 to 69 kilogram ill, nobody older than that. So if you're like in the 70s, 80s, or 90s or above, easy win. Just do something. And for our featured members, me. Good job. But wait, there's more. (laughs) There was also last week, the final week of 2020. This is December 28th through January 3rd. We have a set of champions for that. Swimming. 20 to 29, Gator Boy, and 60 to 69, Kilogram Mill, and nobody in any of the other categories. It's cold. Word. Running. Nine and under, Yellow Ninja, 10 to 19, Lucky Dude, 20 to 29, HK or 305, 30 to 39, The Logan, 40 to 49, Jesse's Girl, 50 to 59, Johnny B. Good, 60 to 69, Pac Mac, and for our featured members, me. And what was really fun about this, even for the people who didn't end up being the champion, there was a significant uptick. 
Awesome. Not like hugely dramatic, but statistically it stood out. And you could see kind of the increase that comes from New Year's resolutions because we had January 1st, 2nd, and 3rd in there. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see what we have going forward. Walking. Nine and under, easy E, 10 to 19, Soleil, 20 to 29, Husky Mike, 30 to 39, SB Nikki, 40 to 49, Coffee Dude, 50 to 59, Mary Mary, 60 to 69, Kilogram Ale, and for our featured members, me. Biking on road. 20 to 29, Gator Boy, 30 to 39, Cyclopath, 40 to 49, Coach T, nobody in the 50 to 59 age group, but 60 to 69, Kilogram Ale, and for our featured members, I got on my bike trainer. So excited. Yeah. Biking off road. 30 to 39 dirt devil and 40 to 49 cyclone. Sit down paddling. (laughs) Everybody, nobody wanted to sit down and paddle this past week. Don't rain them. Uh, 30 to 39 rando seven. Stand up paddling. 20 to 29 gator boy. 30 to 39 me west. Nobody in the 40 to 49 category, but 50 to 59 Mary Mary and 60 to 69 Sunny D. Cross-country skiing. 20 to 29, Husky Mike. 30 to 39, Alberto. 40 to 49, El Tebron 95. 50 to 59, Big Juan 64. 60 to 69, Pac Mac. Skating. 20 to 29, Lexi. 30 to 39, SB Tom and SB Nikki tied. 40 to 49, Coach T. 50 to 59, Big Juan 64. Nobody older than that. And out of us. Me, because I was the only one that slapped on some skates. Hockey. Nine and under, Yellow Ninja, 10 to 19, Soleil, 20 to 29, Lexi, 30 to 39, Wildcat, 40 to 49, Coach T, 50 to 59, Herb, 60 to 69, Pack Mac, and out of our feature members, me. Points. Nine and under, Yellow Ninja, 10 to 19, Soleil, 20 to 29, Gator Boy was on top. 30 to 39, The Logan, 40 to 49, Coach T, 50 to 59, Big One, 64, 60 to 69, Pac Mac. Nobody older than that, but in our feature members, shocker, it was me. Congrats, Tomasi. You exercise way more than I do. Woohoo. Congrats, Tomasi. You exercised. I did once. There you go. And I was in the room for it. Yep. Apparently, drawing the ire of you. Just pissed you at me there. for existing. So I'm going to take it out on you. I'm I'll sorry. I still love you, but um, yeah, you were in the room, and it was your idea. You were like, "Look, it's time. I'm gonna exercise. You're gonna exercise. It's gonna be great." And I was Look, like, <laughs> "I was home before you. I decided to be nice. I laid out your exercise clothes. You didn't like what I laid out. I liked what I laid out for you. Yeah, I'm sure you did. Mm-hmm. Anyway." I'll just ignore how much you hate that and <laughs> <laughs> enjoy my French 75. Mm. Oh, it's been fun. Loads of fun. I miss this. <laughs> so let's not take any more breaks for a while. Okay. All right. Uh, so check back next week. We'll have another new episode of the Red Arrow Health and Wellness Podcast. But for now, Jessica. Yes. It's been fun. Loads of fun. All right. Till next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.